Alright, you white motherfuckers. All eyes on me. This is the Average Years Podcast. Well, 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 kitties. We're back. This is Mr. Fox of the I Refuse Podcast, a.k.a. Take It or Leave It, a.k.a. John Ham's athletic supporter. We survived the weekend. It's chilly as fuck over here on the East Coast. And nobody got hurt. <clears throat> Hope y'all had a good weekend. We watched the Grammys last night. We got a lot of stuff to talk about today. But before we do, I have a question for the white folks. When did placing a whole vacuum cleaner on across your bed become a thing? I'll get into that later. So, a couple of stories. This Chinese spy balloon... As much coverage as this thing got, you would have thought there was a kid in there. Y'all weren't outside when the white folks tried to convince us years ago that the balloon floating in the sky, there was a kid in there. Those of us that pass science and are aware of gravity... You know, us black folks knew damn well a balloon that's floating in the sky wouldn't have a kid in it. But y'all were glued to the TV. We'll get into the Chinese spy balloon situation later. So, we saw the Grammys last night. Ended up watching the whole thing because I'm all streamed out. It was a pretty good night. Good job, Trevor Noah. Good host. Funny for the most part. The layout was pretty good of the seating being by the stage and everybody's circular table is close to the stage. Y'all were setting yourselves on fire. First, let's talk about the good. Kim Petraeus becoming the first trans woman to win a Grammy. That's great. Unholy is not all that, personally. Um, Harry Styles' music or albums and stuff is pretty good. Y'all should have known that Renaissance was not going to get Album of the Year. They do this to Beyonce every time. Y'all already know the setup. We're not going to give you album of the year, but we are going to give you best electronic album, which I don't really understand the specifics. It's almost like they made up that category just to give her something to walk away from the ceremony with. Um, at least it wasn't Adele this time. I mean, she got best, I think, pop vocal album. 30 was cool. It didn't have a lasting shelf life in this house. Uh, what else? The 50 years of hip-hop almost made me take out my cardboard box and start breakdancing. But I will say, you know, for you guys to kind of not include 
Lil' Kim, not include Lauren Hill, not include Jay-Z, Jay-Z who was in the audience, not include Nas, um, not bring back Outkast. <coughs> um, they didn't add Ludacris, Trina, Trick Daddy, Master P, you know, No Limit. Like, there was more to hip-hop than just the West Coast and the East Coast. Most of that was East Coast. There was... Missy's from Virginia, but... You didn't do... There wasn't any 8-Ball MJG. You did... Just about everybody we're familiar with. There wasn't, I don't believe, any tribe in there. Um, or Arrested Development. But... They they had some heavy hitters. They did have Rockem, Grandmaster Flash. They did LL Cool J, of course. You can't, you know, you had Run DMC, Public Enemy, which was good. You know, they got Queen Latifah up there rapping again. Um, it was Swift. You know, I know, I know the Grammys gave them a short time window to cover fifty, try to cover fifty years, which meant you had roughly. 25, 30 some odd acts do probably less than 30 seconds a piece. Probably do a good eight bars, and then they were out. They even had, they even brought Ice T out of Law and Order. I'm telling y'all, this generation does not know that before Law and Order, Ice T was a rapper, a pimp. Like a real gangster before the equalizer and living single, Queen Latifah was a rapper before reality TV. Flavor Flav was a rapper. It was so good to see Public Enemy up there, a personal favorite of mine. Um, we now understand why Nelly had on shades. Catch that shade. Um, great to see Missy, would have been nice to see Lil Kim. Because Lil' Kim, between Lil' Kim and Missy, I believe Lil' Kim won a couple of Grammys. So why not have her on the Grammy stage? Harry Styles won Album of the Year over Beyonce. A lot of people set themselves on fire over that. Um, I haven't listened to the new Harry Styles album, but I will. Um, What else? Great memoriam seg- segment. A lot of people were surprised that Bonnie Raitt won, I think, record of the year. Um, over, I guess, Adele and Beyonce. There was a little, little shade, a little thunder by the younger kids on Twitter setting themselves on fire because their fave didn't win. And I was like, let's not, don't, don't lean too heavy on Bonnie Raitt. You went outside when she was talking about um, because I can't make you love me, and let's give the people something to talk about. Y'all wasn't outside. Um, it was a bit emotional to see the Migos memoriam performance. A little emotional to see. Uh, Mick Fleetwood and Cheryl Crow do a 
particular performance to Christy McVie. Then there was David Crosby. A lot of people were up in arms because I guess they omitted Aaron Carter. Um, that's all I got on that. So, a couple of other things. Uh, it's nice that Lizzo won. Um, I like her energy. Music isn't all the way there for... I'm not always there for. It's it's cute and it's motivating. It's inspiring. Um, that's all I got on that. Um... What else? Madonna showed up. I thought it was Leona Hemsley about to go ride horses. I don't know why she did all that work to her face. Um, all that aside, you, you got to give it up to Madonna. Hits upon hits. Queen of Pop. Blase, blase. Um, more people should have been standing. I didn't get the horse whip and the um, the Victorian era corset getup that she had on. I was like, is this the Grammys or is she about to wrestle some lions? Get them under control? What's going on? You know, she came out to... I forget who the fuck came to the stage after she said her piece. Um... You know, Smokey Robinson and Barry Gordy got Music Care Person of the Year or something. Stevie Wonder did a a bit of a Motown tribute with it looked like Wanye Morris's kids. Um, let's see what else. That was cute. Um Beyonce was in traffic. She came late. By the time she got to her seat and it was all about her for a short while, she had already won two Grammys and then won a third. Her speech was very emotional for me, you know, being a day one Beyonce fan. But, you know, every time she puts out a great body of work, you know, the Grammys set her up, set up Kendrick, who did win a couple of times. Well, he won Best Rap Album. You know, a long time ago, they had been saying that, you know, the scammies use people's face and celebrity and name and the credits for views. <coughs> and that's long, that's long been true. Um, Dr. Dre got Global Impact Award. Which was nice. Um, it was wild that he wasn't part of the 50 Years of Hip Hop performance. Grammys was cute. Ended up watching the whole thing. Uh, I did turn it off when I started hearing DJ Khaled's voice. Like, you get... You get one of few nominations, and you get the stage. Like you actually an entertainer. 
know when the features in all actuality the features do all the heavy lifting like you you hear more about him than you do about the actual song like he's everywhere like i haven't seen somebody all up in the camera this much since puffy and his bad boy era um grammys was cute uh a lot of surprises uh that's about all i got on that moving right along uh i'll save the the chris brown piece for it come outside we won't jump you you really should stick around for that i will take uh give you guys one recommendation uh documentary you should see or a movie you know while you guys were averting your attention to the weekend and getting drunk or whatever you do on the weekends hbo max released a dion warwick documentary narrated by her it's uh coming in short of like two hours Really good documentary to serve as a reminder as to Dionne Warwick's impact. You know, when we think or discuss, you know, the female greats, Dionne Warwick is often left in the dust, which is interesting given that Dionne Warwick is the first black superstar. You know, before Aretha Franklin... Before Tina Turner, before Gladys Knight, before Diana Ross, Dionne Warwick came in between, you know, Little Richard and, like, the Teenagers and Motown. You know, she came up doing, like, demos and background sessions with the caravans you know her aunt is Whitney's mother you know they go into the the family in the background because I was curious as to what the family tree was like so from what I understand Sissy Houston is the sister of Dionne Warwick's mother um, Sissy Houston is a younger sibling and the th- great, the great interesting thing about a large black family is that a lot of cousins and aunts and uncles are close in age when you think about it, especially back in those days. So, you know, they get into that for the most part and then they, pretty much breeze through Dionne Warwick going to college up in New England and traveling to New York often to do recording sessions and demo work and background work for other artists. At some point, she got noticed by Burt Bacharach and Hal David, and that led to them retaining her, hiring her to do demos for other artists, Um, which turned into sometimes a situation where some of the songs she demoed, she did demo work for, went to other artists first. 
which kind of teed her off. And then there were other cases where some of her biggest hits during her run, most of that stuff were songs she didn't want to record. She didn't, she didn't feel a connection to it. But all throughout the documentary, you walk away with a sense of there's a reason why Dionne Warwick is very, very special. You know, the music itself and then vocally in her live performances, it's, it's, she has a much wider range than people give her credit for. And, you know, aside from the fact that she has placed roughly close to 60 songs on the Billboard charts during the course of her career, almost 70 years, and that is what? Roughly more than Aretha, more than, like, during her heyday, during those days, which is a feat upon itself because the the amount of output back in those days was a lot. Like, most acts would do roughly two albums, release two to three albums a year because the, the setup was different and the standard was different. So... You want to talk about somebody that went from, what, uh, Scepter Records to Arista and did roughly 20 or so years on each label and continued hits well into the 90s. And unfortunately, you know, they did cover the Psychic Friends Network piece, which for a time overshadowed her career like she never really quite got from under that um and it was more you know it being tabloid heavy 90s it was more about that and the bankruptcy than it was about her artistry uh, she filed for bankruptcy um but from what the rest of the documentary shows during that the 90s era is that she still had the nice house and she did a lot of advocacy around that time for being against you know cursing women and rap music and all that other stuff to the point where she had some of the death row artists at her house like they showed up like she invited them to her house snoop dogg tupac suge knight and they were on time and that meeting precipitated and influenced snoop dogg's next album the dog father which commercially it didn't do too well but it changed the trajectory of his career Which is pretty big. Um, But the documentary also serves to humanize Dionne Warwick. And show other facets of her life. And get the discussion going again as to her impact. Like to, to come out as a solo artist. A. As a, a black female. When there weren't many impactful female artists at that time and then 
during the civil rights era, like Dionne Warwick has lived where she went on, she was on tour with Sam Cooke and she gets to that story in the documentary as well. I rate the documentary nine out of 10. So good. And that's all I got on that. Moving right along. Sidebar, I love when production is petty. If you were watching the Grammys last night, y'all probably didn't catch the shade when while The Rock was on the stage and he said something to the effect of, you know, I'm singing notes that don't exist. And the camera pans to Taylor Swift. Bitch, the scream, I screamed, the holler, I hollered. It makes me miss Wendy Williams on my TV. Because, you know, the shady cameraman strikes again. <laughs> I said, did anybody else catch that shade? Because that shit was golden with me. Uh, and, of course, Taylor Swift raises her glass. Girl, you know we know. Anyway, back to the show. Couple of housekeeping items. Y'all probably have heard by now that Beyonce has officially announced that she is going on her world tour for the Renaissance album. And true to form, Miss Thang just is asking for astronomical amounts of money for not even like pit or orchestra seating standing room area seating nosebleeds we're talking like at least twelve hundred dollars a ticket for the seats that are on the sides probably on the back which leads me to believe the nosebleeds because she typically only does stadiums is going to be a little bit over the amount you would pay for a car note. During a pandemic more. And y'all know. She always waits until tax time. To announce the tour. And do the rollout and everything. Ciao. I love you Beyonce. But just like I said to Anita Baker. And just like I said to Madonna, I'm going to stick to the albums. And you know damn well Beyonce is going to do a movie, documentary, docuseries, a main event, HBO Max exclusive, Netflix exclusive, Hulu exclusive about the damn tour. I'll wait wait for that. You know, I, I got all the streamings. I'll wait for that because, baby, you want 1200 plus for like the first. They're on the side, by the way. 
on the sides of the stadium, which leads me to believe you want maybe three times as much for any area that is a little lower than the stage. I mean, Renaissance was good. You know, I saw the Homecoming movie, but baby, it's not it's not twelve hundred, thirteen hundred good. And it's not like you you're without dates. Told Anita Baker, I love you, but I'm not paying a car note to see you in Baltimore. I wouldn't even pay that much to see you in Vegas. Y'all wanna know I because I've paid less to see Diana Ross. I've paid less to see the Bad Boy Reunion Tour. Special guest at the DC show is DMX. I've paid less to see Beyonce and Jay-Z. And the thing about Beyonce and Jay-Z is like the experience is the same no matter where you sit. But I'm going to need to see a trailer. I'm going to need to see some footage of what exactly the staging is going to be like. What are you presenting this time? Because one thing Beyonce refuses to do since 1990 is sit down some damn way. And Renaissance is good. Renaissance is great. But nah, um, during a pandemic more, especially since, you know, Madonna is charging people half that for 40 years of hits. I No. I'm going to stay true to my word that I made last year is that I will be saving all my coin for Sade. Sade the band. I know that the band is named after Sade, but we're, it's a band. Sade is a band. And I know Sade and company will not come to this raggedy ass country. So th- this is the plan. Because you know they're coming back this year. I am going to pick an attractive date. And build a vacation around that date. That time frame. And if she, if they are touring in France, Italy. Hell, I'll even take Germany. Somewhere nice. You know, we're not going to Australia where the fucking insects are about as big as laundry baskets. We're not doing that. But if I'm going to spend good money, a high amount of money, it's going to be for an artist that makes me cry just by looking at her. Like, I had dinner with somebody a while back that told me they saw her live, saw the band live. And I about cried at the dinner table because the stage presence, the mystique, and these songs, baby, these songs, let them play Is It A Crime or or Jezebel or like a tattoo or... Love is stronger than pride. I will turn all this shit over. I will cry 
in the fetal position in an aisle seat. This is Sade. And I know she's probably, they're probably going to charge a good 3,000 beans for a couple of seats. That's fine. I'm in another country watching, you know, going to a Sade concert. Not many people can say that. So I am going to create an experience. I'm going to time the flight just right. Get a cute little Airbnb somewhere. And go see Sade. That's going to be my 2023-2024 situation. Beyonce tripping with these prices. Just like Adele was tripping with her prices. I was like, hello from the other side of the parking lot. Because you tripping. Told Anita Baker. It's going to be bye-bye to those ticket prices. And Beyonce knew exactly what she was doing. She knew exactly what she was doing by not doing any visuals for the album. And you think she doesn't pay attention to when y'all setting yourselves on fire about where's the music video? Where's the visuals? I'm pretty sure she's going to put all that into the tour. And y'all are going to pay prices as high as Giraffe Pussy to go see her in the same as raggedy ass venues that y'all drive past every day to go to the market. Good for y'all, but I'll save it. Now, if Beyonce does a DC 4 reunion or DC 5 super reunion with, or like there's a couple of dates where some of the girls come out. And I know y'all going to record. The Dubai concert was supposed to be private. And y'all were up and down TikTok with y'all little clips. And I said to myself, this is why the Underground Railroad would not have been a success these days. Because y'all would fucked it up being on Facebook Live. I said that to myself. So I will be waiting for the rundown with HBO, you know, HBO Max or Netflix exclusive. I'll wait for the rollout because, you know, she's going to make a movie about it. You know, I live. I'm going to watch that. Child, why this man text me talking about he saw my Polaroid? In a house where he's staying. Send me a photo of the two photos. I'm not in either one of the photos. That's not me. Child, what the Blair Witch is going on? So, y'all have a good time. After y'all take out a second mortgage on your house, skip a couple car notes. Skip a couple of months of groceries. Y'all y'all report back on what your life is like after six months of having nothing but ramen because 
y'all decided, you know, I need to save up for the for this one ticket. And I will do what I need to to be in the building. And I know y'all going to report back. And I'll be at home. Probably watching Unsolved Mysteries. And there you have it. Another housekeeping item as a longtime viewer of the Real Housewives of Potomac. And as this current season is coming to a close, with this latest development involving Robin waiting until the season, the production has wrapped. To go on her podcast that she has with Giselle, the the Shady Two, the Two Shady Podcast, whatever the fuck, the the dry ass, the dry ass white chicken podcast, to admit that she knew about this white woman or this this lookalike woman. That Juan had an affair with. This whole time. And it happened during the pandemic. So that whole time. That she was like. Coming at Karen. And being so hype. And I thought about it. I was like. You a little too riled up. You and Juan. On FaceTime. (laughs) A little too riled up for it to not be true. And then you wait until all the dust settles. And we watch how Robin stayed on Karen's back, calling her, you know, Two-Face, and people are going to see you for what you are. And when we can clearly see that it was Robin and Giselle's doing to bring Sharice on the show, unofficially part of the cast, to get back at Karen. And for what? And it's like, of all things, Robin decides to do, she wants to do that, knowing she has bones in her closet. And then on top of that, you're doing all this on the season when you should be focusing on the Coppin State University or the UMBC, wherever one is the the coach, that... um, Sexual assault, sexual harassment, cover-up by one of the players. uh, Claims that they filed against another coach that Juan works with. Who, it it was, it's a mess. So, it's like, you're doing all this. You don't have much of a storyline. You constantly throw yourself in front of Giselle to catch strays. And you look stupid. You moving the goalposts for Wendy. Like, you say y'all are friends, but you don't invite her to your uh, wedding or bachelorette thing because she giggled at the table at what Karen said. All of this just adds truth to an old adage which is 
usually when people contest or try hard to push back or make a big deal out of something, they're trying to deflect the heat off of themselves. Even when the situation doesn't even call for it. Like, I can't think of any situation in the six or seven seasons that this show has been on the TV where it called for Robin to be as hype as she is. Like, can you do something else with your existence on the show? Like, I wouldn't mind seeing the kids more. Let's see you help the kids with the homework. Let's see you, you know, continue to do the house flipping thing. You know, what happened? You know, well, the hats, you can keep that shit. But you are one of the OGs. You know, I don't know how or why production has managed to keep you on the show. Because between you and Giselle, y'all don't really add anything. And, you know, Giselle has shown herself to be somebody that either picks on somebody because she's intimidated by them, (coughs) Monique, or she's spending her existence on the show being in other people's business. And still being the mean girl, sorority girl that she is. And the two of you typically bond, in addition with y'all sel- amongst y'all selves, the Green Eye Bandits, and some of the other cast members, in general dislike for any reason you see fit against Wendy and against Candace for whatever reason. And the thing about it is like, I know a lot of people want to say it's colorism, and to some, in some situations, I definitely agree. But the way Giselle has carried on this current season, messing with Candace's marriage, and then how convenient that you bring other girls on the show to try to malign with this narrative like production doesn't have receipts chris is not paying y'all no mind and candace knows that candace is trying to open ashley's eyes and trying to see her meet her where she is ashley is playing with her again and it's like we really want you to do something with your storyline ashley date the hockey player have a couple of drive throughs Like, you have seven or eight people on this show that's part of the cast. And the only people that have been carrying this season is Candace and Wendy. And a huge part of the reason why the OGs dislike them and Mia dislikes them. Karen's cool. You know, she got a couple of problem areas. But part of Karen's charm is this confusion and this fast talking and she doesn't know what people are talking about. But as far as the others, Ashley and Giselle and Robin is the reason why they're intimidated and Mia are intimidated or are up in arms over Wendy and Ashley, uh, Wendy and Candace is because these two women hold themselves to a standard, are in solid marriages with men 
that they're in love with and are in love with them. And they can't handle it. They hold themselves to a standard that these other chicks on the show can only dream of aspiring to. But instead, they're not able to do that. So they they wallow in the mud for a check. And I'll die on the hill for that. I'm going to still check out the reunion. I, I need to know what's up with this uh, Mia Jacqueline friendship thing. Mia whole trip too. Like I used to like her when she came on, uh, what was that, last season as a friend. But I don't know. Like it's just a high level of insecurity among the light skins outside of Karen. High levels of insecurity. Like you can't stand when another woman's doing well you throw people under the bus they're supposed to be your friends you want to start arguments when you really should be focusing on controversies in your own house and you're going after people's marriages because their marriages are a reflection of something you you didn't have in your own marriage I'm surprised Candace didn't swing on anybody this season Typically, I don't always go out for Candace, and I'm not leaning all the way up for Candace and Wendy because of how they handled Monique. Like, a lot of the, some of this stuff that's been happening to them this season is karma. Like, but they're starting to see what Monique has been experiencing. And starting to see the GEBs for what they are and how they assemble themselves with other light skins and other so-called pretty girls for no reasonable reason other than they don't like you in that particular moment. And it's like, oh, well, Wendy and Candace are not going to sell their morals or ethics to fit in their dignity or self-respect to fit in. And they can't stand it. Well, watch that reunion. It's going to be so juicy. I purposely fell behind a couple of episodes because I didn't like how they were doing my boy Chris. Trying to trying to make something out of something that's not there. Don't want y'all or y'all friends. Sesame Street characters. Please. I hope they do something else for next season. Like... The minimum requirement is that you bring something to the show. This ain't it. Like, y'all didn't learn anything from when Phaedra tried to do Candy Wrong and it backfired. A whole ass lawyer. And I'm glad Candace got their asses together. Candace is starting to become my favorite. Like, Level-headed, tries to be a friend, celebratory, supportive, and they did all kinds of wrong this season. So I was wondering why Smokey Robinson stopped by Vlad TV to do an interview. And not only do an interview, but dish 
provide tawdry details of his younger days. You know, his he said he had an affair with Diana Ross while he was still married. Which, you know, Smokey Robinson having affairs on his wife at the time, Claudette, who was at one point also part of the miracles back in the day, is not news. Like, that was actually what precipitated their divorce in the mid-80s because he'd been allegedly sleeping around on Claudette since the early days. So I was like, this is really random. Like, out of the blue, Smokey Robinson did this Vlad TV interview. And I was like, what for? Which, you know... I love when, like, the older generation has does interviews because they're like, look, it's been about, I got probably, like, a good 10 years or so left. I am going to spill it all. And I'm all the way here for it. Like, y'all wasn't outside when Quincy Jones was dishing through, I think, Variety. He did an interview. They did an interview with him. And he was just giving all kinds of tea of how, like, Marlon Brando was running up in Richard Pryor and James Baldwin and um, James Dean and how, like, James Dean, he had James Dean wrapped around his finger. James Dean was, like, outside of his apartment, like a sad puppy dog, just couldn't. Like, this just adds to Marlon Brando's mystique. And I get it. But, like, Quincy Jones is not holding back. And Quincy Jones is... If he's not already in his 90s, he's getting there. So, I'm all the way here for it. So, fast forward to a couple days ago. Y'all decided to get on Twitter, that bird app over there, and tweet and retweet the um, the Amazon or whatever streaming service it was that allows you to preview or uh, listen to a brief snippet of one of the songs from Smokey Robinson's upcoming album. So the name... <laughs> So the name of the album is Gasms. Yes. G-A-S-M-S. Smokey Robinson is 82 years old. I believe he's about to be 83. Because his birthday is in February. Y'all saw it on the IG post. Along with the name of Nine Songs. Which some of the fans looking at the song titles believe it to be extreme. Now, what I saw on Twitter, y'all screen recorded the sample, the sample listen of one of the songs called If We Don't Have Each Other. And I said, oh my goodness. Now, y'all remember, y'all probably wasn't outside when Smokey Robinson did a song, I believe it was pre-pandemic, where he was like, look at you, 
smoking that dope, smoking that weed, drinking that lean. And he's like, he's got like the little twists. He's got on the jean jacket. He's got on the jeans. And he's in what looks to be like an abandoned warehouse or an alley where there's like graffiti all over the place. And I said, what is this? But it kind of slapped though. I'm. This is supposed to be his up. This upcoming album is supposed to be his first one in nine years. Now, I'm like that song about smoking that weed, drinking that lean. I was like, I really wanted to see that become something, right? But here we got gasms. And I heard the snippet of the song, We Don't Have Each Other. And I was like, I can see all the fiends in Baltimore or somebody's drunk uncle, later age drunk uncle, down there on the dance floor. If you've ever been to the Horseshoe, casino in baltimore maryland so the upper level of course are the the slot machines and the craps table and the roulette tables and shit now there's like an open there's like an open area downstairs that you can view from upstairs and you know down there they have like the stage for a band or open mic and like a DJ booth and everything. So down there on that floor is where, you know, Uncle Ray and little stomach ache, you know, shuffle down to, you know, across the floor and like two or three layers of clothes and pants with like a heavy ass leather jacket that they probably had on all day. Just, just cutting up with whatever music. So... That is where I think we will be seeing a lot of fiends dancing to Smokey Robinson's new music in 2023. And if we don't have each other, it's not a up-tempo song. It's actually like mid-tempo or down-tempo. Slow dancing with Aunt Bernice, Aunt Unetto. To, you know, some Smokey Robinson, who was in his 80s, still performing, touring, singing, still sounds good. But, bro, like, I I had to imagine. Like, I'm a big Nana Ross fan. I went to go see her at the Venetian in 2014 in Vegas. Great show. Um, you know, some things I'm just like, wow, even with all, all this talent and all this money and everything, no man was off limits. And I'm sure if you went to Hitsville, if you went to the building today, I'm like, if these walls could talk. If these walls could talk before social media, 
A lot of people were doing a lot of things outside of business back in those days um, and being inappropriate with women and, you know, it's a long, a long held story or, you know, traditions, not news of even with all your talent and all your connections and all your power. You just can't keep your kitty cat out the mix. I know a couple of months ago, I think I did a, a channel post, a YouTube channel post about Nancy Reagan. Throat goat. Just last episode, I was on here tell, telling y'all about Officer Hall. Down in Tennessee, well, former Officer Hall, Quaker Throats herself. Like, I get it. But at this at this stage in the game, I'm like, I'm not doing anything for free. And if I'm going to fuck on the job, I'm going to fuck up. Not down. That's where a lot of women and men got the game fucked up. Is y'all go down to your jobs. And you have a nice government job. A nice, nice little job. You know, it's we say this on the street a lot. Never shit where you sleep. And, you know, the temptation... It's probably hard, but it's like when you get to a point where it you're getting evaluated every year by your boss, your you could actually use this situation or environment to have the upper hand or take advantage or use it as leverage for whatever it is you do but to go up into your job and it's one floor it's not like you can go take an elevator up to the top floor damn near up into the the freight level of the building where there's little to no people except like the janitor every once in a while or security to check the emergency exits and the locks to make sure the building's secure. This is a one-floor federal government building. Open floor. All cubicles. You can't go behind closed doors. Without somebody walking by. And. I'm not talking from personal experience. Because I don't fuck on the job. Now I may have sucked on the job. That's something else. That's just for fun. That's not for promotion or money. I was in school for that. But. Let's say hypothetically right. 
hypothetically, there is a woman that you don't know, no, you know, socially, you know, y'all have like mutual friends and we all work in, in the same building together. You had no idea and you didn't know, you know, the rumors didn't catch up to you until like later. So you're, you're at your desk hypothetically and, um, you, you get a group email that comes out saying such and such has been offered an opportunity to be reassigned to one of the bigger buildings. And he's accepted it, and we wish him well. I was like, that's interesting. And then you start to think, well, is this how things go down when... There's like a vacancy announcement out of the blue that this person, that a person accepts. Nobody else knew about it. But then, hypothetically, as time goes on, you start hearing things, allegedly. And you're not in anybody's business. The tea just happens to come your direction. And you sit back and you're like, wow, how is this able to go on? How is this able to go on for so long? Right under all of our noses. Like, where? So, you find out that, allegedly, in this same building that is one floor... That one of the managers who is married and has kids allegedly is busting down some of some of the girls in the building in close proximity to his desk. And you think, how was that able to go down in the building? With all those people around, especially on the weekends, working overtime. And you think about it, it's like, what the fuck? I mean, in a way, you were kind of fucking up, but the point is not to fuck it up. I was like, what? When you hear shit like that, you're like, damn, where was I? How did I I not know this? Like, you could walk through the the main hallway from the, you know, from the main entrance to the back of the building and hear other people's conversation. That's how close you are because it's not closed off. It's like the floor plan is similar to like a call center. No privacy. And it's like, wow, even... In the government, people fucking on the job. And clearly not discreet enough 
because people are walking into the front office and telling senior leadership all the details. And I tell y'all, this is why you should really not shit where you eat or eat where you sleep or whatever. You just... The walls have ears. The walls have ears. And... Try not to get caught up in the image, you know, the celebrity image, where it's like, oh, you know, she's he or she is supposed to be this way because they're in evening gowns and they're in suit and ties. And it's like, at the end of the day, these people are just like you and I, like, just because... Just because they left the hood doesn't mean they don't still have those tendencies where it's like, you know, get pregnant by one dude who was married at the time or separated but not separated enough from his wife at the time. While pregnant by one dude, marry another dude, have the baby, he adopts the baby. Y'all have a kid together. And then like three or four years later, you guys get divorced. I was like, wow. Wow, that is truly something. So, back to Smokey Robinson, right? He got on this album called Gasms. He still looked good, by the way. He has the first song is the self-titled track. Then after that is how you make me feel. I want to know your body. I keep calling you roll around beside you if we don't have each other. And y'all on Twitter are like, how do we get from baby come close to I fit in there? (laughs) So, of course, the the album track list release comes on the heels of like I said his interview of Vlad TV where he revealed having an affair with Diana Ross Smokey said it took place while he was still married to his first wife Claudette Rogers Robinson also was a member of the group The Miracles said that you know it happened after he got married and it lasted longer than it should You know, Robinson, Smokey, and Claudette were married from 59 to 86. Um, Smokey Robinson has over 400 songs between his solo music and his songs with the Miracles. That's not even, that's probably not even including, like, all the songs he's written or produced. The new album comes out April 28th and it's called Gasms. Can't imagine 
That's cute. That is really cute. I love that the older heads are still doing music and releasing music. I think I said earlier, Anita Baker's releasing music. Now Swanky Robinson's got his Gasms album coming out. The song sounds cute. And I'll be checking it out. So let's get into that. Before I go on to the rest of this episode, I'm going back to Robin situation. There are a couple of reasons why her withholding or pretending that this affair wasn't real or it was a fake rumor on the show is so problematic because when you sign a contract to be a castmate or a cast member on on reality TV, you are literally agreeing to show parts of your life. And for the duration of this show, Real Housewives of Potomac, the past seven seasons, Robin has been given opportunity after opportunity to have a storyline, show a real storyline. The house flipping thing wasn't good enough. The hat thing wasn't good enough. And for the rest of her duration on the show, she has made it a point to mix and dabble in other people's mess and marriages and facilitate rumors and without any receipts. Yet here we are. She she and Juan overacting in that scene in the clothing store where she called him on FaceTime about the rumor. And on, on top of that, to come find out that Giselle was in on it. And Giselle, who is an EP on the show, for her to be in on it and let the season play out knowing this piece of information, which would have been Robin's storyline. That would have been a great storyline to navigate because it's part of your personal life and the shit was true. But you want to insult our intelligence and play this, oh, well, it's not true, or, you know, I'm going to call Juan, and, you know, he's going to throw a huge, gigantuous temper tantrum on the, sh- on the show for y'all. And it's like, come on. Come on. I didn't listen to the Reasonably Shady episode. I mean, good for them. You know, they finally got some additional attention for that dry-ass podcast over there. And even tried to play in our faces by having an impromptu live stream, like a whole event in an auditorium on the show, which had a poor turnout, and reasonably so, because you don't really talk about nothing over there. But I guess it's... It is what it is, but poorly played, like, this kind of thing is what ruins a person's credibility on the show. And then 
Bravo and production got to be looking at Robin like, this is why we don't really fuck with y'all. This is why reality shows lose their credibility because it's looking like Robin's duration on the show this season has been contrived at best. And I'm like, what the actual hell is going on? You wait until the, after the season's been produced, taped. You wait until after the, reu- the reunion and to spill the beans on your podcast. And you basically fess up. But you still try to play with the hotel receipt, right? So, the story goes is that there was a hotel receipt with Juan's name on it. And Robin tried to play, like, with the where his place was on the receipt. And that Juan was just trying to help the girl out. And make sure she had a place to stay. And it's like. How are you going to try to play us? Like. We know what hotel rooms are for. You know. Married to Medicine. If y'all recall. Tried to. Um, try something similar. With Dr. G. And it was like. The whole season played out. The whole, you know, it was about probably part one and part two of the reunion where he fessed up and told the whole entire story and made it seem like the girl was trying to blackmail him by running to the blogs. And even some of the wives during the the reunion were like, do you not know that these women out here are trying to trap you because... You are on TV. You are a target. And you down in Atlanta too? Do you not know that the blogs make it their business to be in everybody's business? And Atlanta is small when it comes to... You got probably about three or four reality shows coming out of Atlanta. Just Atlanta that is on on these channels they don't got much else going on outside of that for blogs to report on and here you go you didn't let it play out or respond to it during the show during the course of the season over there married to medicine and you want us to try to believe that you you went up there and you know, you didn't facilitate or play a part in it, and nothing happened. It's just enough that you go up to the hotel room at all. Now, the same thing with Michael, and it was like, this could have been a great storyline for Ashley on Real Housewives of Potomac. But Ashley being the good, dutiful wife on Retainer, trying to deflect and stuff... Now everybody at this point on the Real Housewives of Potomac, for the most part, with the exception of Wendy, Karen, and Candace, are not in any relationship of any kind. And 
don't have any kind of drama in their own personal lives, whether they hired somebody to date and the real stuff hit the fan and the person disappeared, spent their entire existence this season being in the drama between other castmates and trying to breathe life into a situation involving someone's husband at their job. It's like, y'all got some nerve. It's going to be hard. It's probably going to be hard for Robin to redeem herself going into the next season because it's like, you haven't pulled your weight contractually as far as opening your life up more. Like, doing stuff with the kids and addressing the one college situation which I'm sure that's that's stressful so you went into this season played throughout this whole season other people's marriages and other people's mess knowing your husband had a whole affair during the pandemic and you playing with the audience's intelligence and don't even get me on the fact that even though the show's called The Real Housewives of Potomac, none of them, with I think the exception of Karen until recently, live in Potomac. You have Wendy that lives in Carroll County. You have Mia that lives in Baltimore. You have Ashley that lives in Arlington or Alexandria. You have Giselle that lives... Where's Giselle live? I think Bethesda somewhere. Or Silver Spring. Robin lives in Hanover. Um, Candace lives in, I think, Waldorf. Even, even DC adjacent. Most of the cast does not live. That's why when most of them show up, it be, it's dark by the time they get there. Because they got to drive at least an hour. Half an hour at the least. Don't even get me started on that. And it's just like, come on. Like, you guys have been really good when it comes to, you know, bringing the fun and the all that stuff without a major um, star of the show or, you know, Everybody likes to talk like Giselle's the main character. To some effect, she is. But I think what's going to trip her up as the show continues to go on is that she's the EP that is stirring the pot. And I think her being EP is why she is not leaning too far into the mess. Although this season hasn't been a good look on her. But... There isn't like a a Nini level kind of magnitude or gravitas. Um, and I think that's what's missing. But y'all have been doing pretty well. Like the first six seasons, y'all really 
y'all really turned it up to where it's like y'all are kind of outdoing Atlanta some some cycles. But y'all keep doing this game, playing these kind of games in favor of bringing in a real authentic storyline is messing with the credibility of the show. And it's unfortunate because it's like these shows, these uh, channels and these production companies are like we're spending a lot of money, a lot of manpower, a lot of time to follow you hoes around and Y'all are doing this with y'all's time. Like, it's, it's kind of weak. And it's it sucks because it's... It's really... The... Only one... Only one of two shows with... An all-black female cast. And there isn't anybody on the show that comes into the show as a household name like Candy on Atlanta Housewives or somebody that started out on the show and has made a name of themselves and ventured out into other avenues like Nene but Nene funny as hell for when she was on the Breakfast Club and Charlemagne said, Oh, you don't think Robin are Gisela stars? Do you? And he was like, Yeah. She was like, Oh, okay then. And Envy with his high high yellow high ass laugh said laughed into it. I was just like, Yeah, they're not. They're not. Neither one of them are stars. Not when you think of like Nene or Vanderpump or Renna or even Teresa and some of the Jersey folks and they keep they play, they're playing these games they're playing these games so moving right along America America has a problem so there I was minding my African American business what Friday and Saturday When there was something on my YouTube timeline about some Chinese spy balloon, right? That was flying over the United States that was shot down. And I'm looking at this thing like this looked like one of those um, Chinese lanterns that the white people hang up in their yard when they in the backyard when they're about to have a a kiki or something. They say that this thing entered the country's air airspace on the East Coast. And I know this because a really good friend of mine said that it was over his parents' house or over his parents' area in South Carolina. And somehow it managed to make its way over Montana before being shot down. (sighs) 
when I tell you it had to be a slow news day or a slow, a slow news cycle for a balloon to be get this much coverage And not only that much coverage, but to be already labeled the Chinese spy balloon so quickly. And what only which only adds fuel to the fire about you know the possibility they say of another world war. And at any time we can have our shit fucked up over here. The way this balloon got so much coverage, you would have thought it was like this one of the spaceships in Independence Day, the first one. I was like, what the actual fuck? And like I said earlier, you know, this multiple day coverage, you would have thought they thought there was a child in that balloon. And y'all wasn't outside when Balloon Boy became a thing. Like, just when I think we can go a day or two without nonsense, here go the news with some more nonsense. You know, they just put out into the universe that it was a Chinese spy balloon. Who can actually confirm that that was the case? For all we know, this could be one of many balloons from one of them goddamn gender reveals that y'all, that y'all have, that y'all make a big deal about. Who's to say that that's not one of the high-end party balloons that y'all buy for a six-month-old? Who's to say, like, as much shit that we put into the atmosphere... Being clumsy, being extra, def- trying to defy science, forgetting that science exists, to to celebrate babies who aren't going to remember the shit, put so much money into these celebrations for kids that aren't even here yet. Like this, this angle only it just aims to fuel like fear of another world war, some kind of disagreement. Like, is this where we are right now? Because I promise you, China, there's nothing special happening over here in this ghetto ass country. There's nothing special going on. We're not that bright we're not that smart we're literally out here trying to keep our kids from ingesting tie pods we're trying to keep adults that we know from having these fentanyl parties we are struggling over here to even exist Without getting taken out. Because somebody didn't like us. 
I'm telling you, we are the short yellow bus of the planet. And speaking of the yellow bus. America, America has a problem. So in regards to the fight between the oral, the ambush on the teacher by the student with the red hair in that classroom. At this point, you might as well arm teachers with some kind of pepper spray or some kind of baton or brass knuckles. Because how in the actual fuck is it okay to just wham on not just a teacher, but a substitute teacher, because that wasn't even the teacher that got attacked and dragged down to the floor and broke her, had her leg broke because of the altercation. That wasn't even her class. The actual teacher was out for some kind of personal reason. At this point, you just might as well, because this generation of kids who are clearly either being raised by grandparents who are too old to discipline them or return back home every day after school to a parentless house because mother or father, well, single mothers working two jobs. Nobody's looking after the child. Just give the child what they want to shut them up. At this point, you just you just got to do something to to quelch the an, the animosity and the gravitas and this ego driven attitude of you can't say shit to me I'm gonna get on you before you you get on me you don't run me you don't control me you can't have my phone and all this other bullshit like I promise you it's not an iPhone or whatever issue y'all having with y'all selves and y'all taking out on the rest of the world is not worth an assault charge and then on top of that the during the course of the attack the teacher breaks her leg and it's clear leading up to the altercation during the altercation in the doorway that the teenager, the child, is the clear aggressor. And the teacher's just trying to get her, keep her at a safe distance because for whatever reason, the state continues to ingrain in these teachers' heads that, you know, don't engage, don't don't hit the children. But unfortunately... People with the weapons and the guns, the police, are not there. And when they're not there, by the time they get there, you got a teacher laid out with a broken leg. And you got a student that can't control him or herself. I saw that and I saw another fight that happened in the classroom in a different school teacher was white 
a teacher was between two girls talking mad shit to another girl that was on the other side of the teacher. Couldn't honestly tell you what the fight was about or the argument was about. At some point, the two girls that were talking the most shit wasn't wasn't able to handle the one girl. Like, two seconds later, both of those girls were on the ground because of the one girl, and she there was a fourth girl that joined the fight. And the, the white teacher is just, like, running back and forth, like, trying not, trying to get involved but not actually put his hands on anybody because you know a lot of these teachers don't want to fight and don't want to be looked at as part of the problem and again no police or resource officers around and then you know when you look at stuff like this and you think about the opposite extreme where there is no fight, there's just a child that wants to understand or an adult that wants to understand what the problem is and why even after they've satisfied a requirement by the teacher, there's still an issue. And cops are called to who immediately get into action because they have something to prove students not fighting them students not throwing anything at the teacher the student is not getting physical with the teacher yeah the cops are getting physical with the student very rarely is there a medium very rarely is there a response equitable to the altercation. And then over the weekend, there was a situation on a bus where an older kid was just laying haymakers into the head of a younger female student while the rest of the kids were looking and were cheering and stuff. There was no intervention. The clip was short. There was no intervention by the bus driver, but she was essentially getting beat down to the floor in the aisle. Then after the bigger boy took a break, a smaller boy joined in and continued Again, don't have a backstory, but at this point, like, you got to start arming some of these kids and some of these teachers, or, you know, the teachers and the bus drivers, because there are some jungles out here where people have something to prove, just skip bypass all the crit- the critical thinking bypass 
any any awareness as to children's duality and children's saying one thing over here, saying a different thing over here, because just to get a response out of the adults in the house. Like, y'all remember, it was a couple of months ago, maybe even longer than that, where there was footage from one of the kids on the bus of, it looked like, well, it was two adults, a guy and a female, talk addressing one of the kids in the back over some, over a bloated bullshit story that one of their f- child family members told them that you know one of the one of the girls on the bus was targeting her and that inspired these two grown ass people to not only get on the bus and threaten a younger child but getting so worked up and getting so performative from the attention that they were receiving that the teenage girl went from talking mad shit along with the guy to physically trying to jump the seats to get to this girl. Mind you, this this teenager is twice the age of any of the kids on the bus. But people love to perform. People, when they have an audience, they love to perform and get all rah-rah, can't fight a lick. But because they have the attention and it, they don't even, we're, we're watching it and we're like, what the fuck is going on? It's just, at this point, you need to have bodyguards and security on, at bus stops or on the bus because little Glenda that's in her seventies or little Sharonda or Sharon black lady in her fifties with the little assistant that sits in the first uh, bus seat, either behind the bus driver or behind the the steps leading off the bus, white frail lady or a white guy. That's probably a buck 50 soaking wet with two bricks in their back pocket isn't can't do anything <clears throat> and when you're at in an area or in a school district that consists of people that believe instilling fear in other people's children Instead of controlling your buck wild ass children in your own house, because that's that's the theme in all these stories is that nobody's raising their children, at least not reasonably, not raising them to be honest, not raising raising them to be fair and equal. Be respectful and responsible. I've said on this podcast time and time again. Welcome to the I Refuse podcast, by the way. That we don't went from no child left behind to don't say shit to my child. 
And I've seen with my own two eyes, not only like a, a high school student that was in high school a couple years too long, get on a bus, not to ride the bus, but to confront the bus driver to over some some rumor or some hearsay that the bus driver had reported him or made a complaint against him. Mind you, I had never seen this guy ride this particular bus at all, right? We try to leave. The bus is packed. He decides he wants to be part of the crowd and get on the bus and go toe-to-toe with her and then jump on the lady. Jump on the lady, start swinging on her, like hitting her and stuff. And we are at the bottom of the parking lot, like ready to leave away from administrators, full punk ass move. He does what he does, disappears. She's crying and shit. And I'm like, what the fuck is going on? And that's the end of that because nothing else came out of that. But what the fuck are y'all doing out here? To where y'all think this is the avenue to take. Y'all do know that people can, like, charge y'all kids with assault. And they're crazy if they don't. Like, y'all need to start bringing back parent-teacher conferences. Y'all need to really bring back, like, week-long parent-teacher nights. Like, really get more involved in knowing the school and the school knowing y'all. Bring back. I know it was silly when I was in elementary school, but. Bring back. The checks and balances system where. Anytime. Even if you're talking in class too much. It looks like you're not listening. That requires a roundtable, closed-door session with the principals, some of the resource personnel people, you know, the the members of staff that just have an office in a random hallway. There's not a name outside the door or nothing. They just come out some door. Like at some rarely used hallway. They call your mama or your daddy. And you know, they'd hate being called out there, their job, having to take time off in the morning and come up to the cl- to, to the school. And you got eight or nine adults looking at you. And you know when you get home, your mama going to wear your ass out. I wasn't a rebel rouser or a hellraiser in elementary school. I just was talking too much. And I guess didn't want to listen. I'm using air quotes when I say that. But even that little infraction required a round table where I'm on one side and I'm looking at two sets of eyes across nine people. 
And my mom is directly across from me, giving me the stare of death. And yeah, I would get my ass tore out the frame. Confused every single time because it's like, damn. I think, bring that back. Like, just bring all of that back. Because all this enabling and entitlement stems from y'all not disciplining y'all children. Anytime their tone is out of turn with you. And now you got children the size of football players at 12, 13 years old with emotional issues and and self-control issues bigger than you and you ain't doing shit. Oh, it's worse over there with the whites than it is over here with us, but bring all of that shit back. And then we won't have a problem. So I'm on this thing talking like it's just you and me. But come outside. We won't jump you. Come outside. We won't jump you to Chris Brown. Who had the Negro audacity to... Throw a tantrum, not only throw a tantrum on social media because he didn't get his way at the Grammys. He was nominated, his album Breezy, I guess, was nominated for Best R&B Album. And he rightfully lost to Black Radio 3 by Robert Glasper. This I know because part of Chris Brown's IG story was who or what the fuck is a Robert Glasper? Let me tell you, tasteless, blandless, single note, derivative, copycat, coked up, woman abusing ass, something. What we're not going to do, we're not going to lean too heavy on any particular artist, but especially we're not going to do Robert Glasper. Especially we're not going to do Robert Glasper experience experiment we're definitely not going to do the black radio series of albums while black radio 3 is probably the least favorite of mine when it comes to robert glasper experiment albums or even just robert glasper albums bloody black robert glasper and the robert glasper experiment is something that I can't put into words, but I will tell you this. As somebody that is a real musician, someone that is, I would very easily put in the same lane as a Quincy Jones or a Thelonious Monk or a George Duke, or Ramsey Lewis, rest in peace. Uh, Maurice White, um, Gil Scott Heron, John Coltrane. The list goes on and on and on and on. Somebody that has managed to 
successfully marry jazz with R&B, jazz with neo-soul, jazz with blues, jazz with rap. Like, there's not enough discussion around those kind of, I would call, hybrid artists that not only do it successfully, but creates memorable shit. Y'all black asses were not outside when Black Radio was released. Oh! And then, with Robert Glasper and the Robert Glasper experiment decided to do was like oh black radio that's elevated even more and decide to drop black radio 2 now whether it's black radio 2 the standard edition or black radio 2 the deluxe i have the deluxe flawless album there's not a weak moment on that album and he got everybody who's everybody Personal favorites, along with everybody else's, you know, calls with Jill Scott, easily top two. Then he has Nora Jones. Like, every feature suits the material and the music perfectly. Um, He has Nora Jones. He has Marsha Ambrosis. He has Faith Evans, Anthony Hamilton, Lupe Fiasco, Snoop Dogg. Malcolm Jamal Warner, Layla Hathaway, who came back again. He has Jean Grey and Macy Gray. That's a personal favorite song of mine. Um, Which I think closes the album. But he even has Bilal and Jasmine Sullivan doing a song together. Not enough discussion around Bilal. (coughs) So for your ass, CB... Somebody that has made the last eight or nine years of their career about releasing or taking up, releasing like 75 or 100 songs, wasting 120 minutes to open the side of your neck and say, who or what the fuck is a Robert Glasper? Not only shows yours and your fan base's limited range but shows that you ignorant as hell to think that you're just the only one and that you're worthy at this point not really a big huge Chris Brown fan that's just that's aside from the point but I mean you haven't really given us anything memorable since X And I know your rabbit fans are probably going to continue to go up for you because you can still do the scissors above your head and do all kinds of shit. You know, all the things that a speedball can make anybody do. But what we're not going to do is disrespect Robert Glasper. What we're not going to do is disrespect Bonnie Raitt. We're not going to disrespect actual musicians. Also, come outside, Robin Dixon. I know I had you all up and through this episode because you have managed to not only 
refused to bring anything substantial this season to the Real Housewives of Potomac, but you have dug your grave even deeper by trying to continue to play in our faces post-revelation on that little podcast that nobody really was listening to. Podcast is about as dry as Boston Market chicken meat. You decided to get on Watch What Happens Live and try to insult our intelligence with this story. When Andy says this could sound like BS to a lot of people. Robin goes to explain why Juan's name was on the hotel receipt. L- listen to this. Canada. Canada was clearly on a strict lockdown um, during the pandemic. Okay. So the hotel receipt comes into play because for whatever reason, she decided that she wanted to fly to Maryland. Um, and she had told Juan that she was dating a Baltimore Ravens player. So she's telling him she's flying to Maryland, and he's like, okay, whatever. Um, but somewhere along the way, she, she gets to Maryland. She's reaching out to him. She tells him she lost her wallet in the casino, and she cannot pay for her hotel room. Okay. So he feels bad for her. Um, apparently, she was, like, you know, really stressed out, really distraught. He feels bad for her. He goes to the hotel puts his card down at the at the counter or whatever and that's it so okay so they so that was the only time they met in person yes and i guess it this could sound like bs to a lot it sounds no it sounded like bs to me okay honestly like when when i found out about it it sounded like bs to me but he was very you know, he he was. You being, believe him? I believe him. Just and and also based on like what she revealed last week. Okay. I believe him. Here's my thing. You're on a reality show about your life. Yeah. And infidelity has been the hot topic of the season, and you've played a part in the conversations. Mm-hmm. So how how do you stay silent through the season? I just, because it was so, we already, it was so in the back of my mind, like, we dealt with it, we moved on from it, it like, I don't know why I would say, hey guys, pick me, let's talk about, let's talk well, about my you're, issues. You're, the expectation is that you're sharing everything that's going on in your life, right. so that's why, it's not about pick me, wait to be picked, it's, hey, we went through something and this is what's happening in our lives. But it wasn't an issue at that moment while we were filming. If it was an issue but while it, it we were had filming... been an issue in your relationship. Because it wasn't relevant to where we were in that present time. Another big criticism is you withhold, you withhold the truth on the reality show that you're on, but then you sell it behind a paywall. Well, I talked about it on the free podcast. Okay. Right? And then you said... And I didn't withhold... I didn't... It's not about withholding information. It was because this information was given light last week or the week before. That's why you brought it up blog. now. Yeah. Okay. And because the lie... Like, the, the I lie... I think that's that called the, withholding information. Well, Attorney uh, Williams? <laughs> oh, yeah. I'm about the, the paper. So I'm here for the paywall. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> and, 
time. The female was telling lies and trying to, like, you know, expose us. She was telling lies, and I felt it was, I needed to correct the lie. Now, Robin, bullshit. Bullshit, bullshit, bullshit. Like, you could have just left it at he cheated on you, which is a common theme and has been a common theme since the day he met you and left it at that. Like, addressing something and making it worse, like, we know what the hotel room is for. Long as I've been alive, we've always known what the hotel rooms were for. His his name is not on the hotel receipt because he just paid for it. He wanted to put her up. Robin, you're talking to somebody who is personal friends with somebody that used to get bust down by one when y'all were together 20 some odd years ago. Robin, Robin. Robin like girl it's not like you're getting paid hand over fist for that yang 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 around the house podcast I don't even know why y'all call it reasonably shady because it's reasonably dry over there this reunion, I, I'm going to get into it. I'm going to get off of here and watch the season finale of season seven of the Real Housewives of Potomac. And then get into the trailer and maybe do a bonus episode for y'all over over here at the I Refuse podcast. Um, that's all I got for Come Outside, We Won't Jump You. Moving on. So earlier, I posed a question to the white people that listen. Because, you know, I don't keep up with all of y'all craziness. When did y'all start vacuuming y'all's beds with the linen and stuff still on it? With, like, the whole vacuum cleaner. Not an arm or the attachment, one of the attachments, like... Y'all will physically pick up the vacuum cleaner, which are made for floors and carpeting. And sometimes you use them to vacuum the drapes, you know, clean, you know, as an alternative to dusting. Pick up a whole vacuum cleaner and vacuum y'all's bed. Is this like a new thing? There I was. Minding my African American business. When on my timeline on one of my social media accounts. A guy had. Posted. About his husband. As he often does. And with photographic evidence to connect the post. About. His husband deciding late at night to vacuum the bed. Again, and in the photo, not using the attachments and the little um, 
the vacuum arm to go along the sheets or anything or even strip the bed first and, I don't know, clean the actual mattress. <coughs> but he is vacuuming on top of the same sheets that they sleep on. You know, instead of stripping the bed and washing the linen and the sheets and the comforter and the pillowcases. A whole ass Dyson or Hoover, whatever brand van cleaner it was, to clean the bed. It's still made. You know, every once in a while in my lifetime, I am I verbalize at full volume the following phrase. What the actual fuck? It's also one of those situations that make me wonder... Is this why y'all have lice? Like, the shit made me itch, and I'm still kind of itching right now, just scratching a little bit, just talking about it. Like, I know people have their, their traditions. You have some people... That will steam clean the mattress, sprinkle baby powder on the mattress to combat dryness, put a fitted sheet over top of it. I'll meet y'all there. Like, I'll, that's the point I'll meet y'all at. Some people, hey, actually flip the mattress every six months or rotate it. To to balance it, keep it aligned. I'll meet you there. I'll meet y'all at that point. Perfectly fine. But for y'all asses out here to take a whole vacuum cleaner that's meant to stay on the floor, like they, it's even gotten to a point to where they've made it more convenient for you, to where you can just run the little iRobot to clean the floor for y'all. Since apparently that's too much work to do it yourselves. Take the same vacuum cleaner. Because five will get you ten. That That's the same vacuum cleaner that they use to vacuum the floor, vacuum the tile. Like, there are some habits or some... Some like ways of doing things that y'all do that has caused me to raise a perpetual eyebrow this takes this really takes the cake I date interracially so I can speak on what I've seen um you know in my 20s when I was dating this guy that was almost twice my age and we were living together it wasn't just us in the house. It was at least two or three other people. So he decides he's going to start washing everybody's clothes together. 
like mine, his, and this kid downstairs that turns out he wanted to sleep with. And at some point did. That's another story for probably the After Dark podcast. Decided in order to save money on some of the bills that he would wash all of our clothes together. Now me, being the only black person in the house, me being the only person in the house that showered pretty regularly, was like, nah, I'm good. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, you'd actually have to start paying the bills before you can save money on them. Like, you don't save money while in debt. (coughs) Some of the shit I see out here in my lifetime, I'm just like, what is the hamster dead in the wheel? Because this doesn't make any kind of sense. Like, are you trying to give us... And this is before the high-efficiency washer and dryers you see now. They got all the buttons and the bells and the whistles. And you can wash clothes, a load of clothes, for up to two hours. Like, the high-tech shit. This was like an old-school rinky-dinky washer and dryer that had been part of the house for at least 40 years. So God only knows how many times it's been on this last leg. But nevertheless, this is the this is the shit that we're exposed to. Y'all are out here vacuuming y'all's bed with the whole vacuum cleaner. Y'all deserve jail. J A I L jail. Mr. Fox, the I Refuse podcast. Uh, be sure to check out the rest of the I Refuse podcast at your leisure. There's over 100 episodes accessible to you for free. We enjoyed over here. Also, be sure to check out The Usual Suspects. We just released a new episode last week after a month off. Also, be sure to check out the I Refuse podcast after dark, where we release a monthly episode once a month. Y'all take it easy out here. Um, I know the white man's at us. Stay hydrated. Uh, Keep your grease, your scalps grease. Be sure to take your car in for maintenance. Not just for an oil change. Uh, Get your money. Save up. I look forward to watching Rihanna's concert next Sunday. And we will catch y'all next week. Oh, also be sure to follow and subscribe our Twitter and Instagram. At I Refuse Podcast. And the YouTube channel. Later.